In this recording, we're going to discuss the issue of whether one has to use two challahs for the yantif meal as well as the Shabbos meal. On Shabbos, it's clear that we have to make the hamotzi on two full loaves of bread. But the question is, does that halacha also apply to yantif? Now, this question is going to hinge on another issue, which is the reason why we have two challahs on Shabbos is to remember the man, which did not fall on Shabbos. So a double portion fell on Friday. So in order to remember that double portion, we have two challahs on Shabbos. So the question is, did the man fall on Yantif? Or did it also not fall on Yantif, in which case on Erev Yantif there was a double portion, which would mean that we should have two chalas on Yantif as well. So the issue of whether we need to use two chalas on Yantif is going to hinge on whether a double portion of man fell on Erev Yantif, or did just one portion fall on Erev Yantif and then another portion on Yantif, so there was never a double portion, and likewise we wouldn't need to use two chalas for the Yantif meal. So this issue is a debate between the Rishonim and Tosos in different places says different things. So we'll go through the different approaches. We'll begin with the Rishonim who hold that the man did not fall on Yantif and therefore one would need a double portion of challah for the Yantif meal. So Tosos in Psachim on Kufamud Beis, when he's discussing the issue of covering the challahs, which was in our previous recording. So one of the reasons that he suggests for covering the challahs is to recreate the man, which was also covered by the dew. And Tosos says that this would apply both to the Shabbos and the Yom Tov meal because the man did not come down neither on Shabbos or on Yom Tov. So it's clear that this Tosos holds that the man did not fall on Yom Tov. And Rashi also in his commentary on the Torah in Shmos chapter 16, Pasuk 26. So the Torah describes it, Ubayom Hashvi'i Shabbos, on the seventh day, which is Shabbos. So that's repetitive. We know that Shabbos is the seventh day. So Rashi quotes from the Mechilta that lo yom ha-kipurim tovim. That this repetitive language in the Torah is intended to include that not only on Shabbos did the man not fall, but also on Yom Kippur and Yantif the man did not fall. So again, according to Rashi, there was no man on Yantif. And the Mordechai on Shabbos in the 16th chapter, Simon Shin Sadi Zayin, so he connects this explicitly with using two chalas on Yantif. He says that Rav Natronai said that you have to use two chalas on Yantif because there was no man which fell on Yantif. So there is a strong tradition in the Rishonim that no man fell on Yantif and therefore you have to use two chalas at the Yantif meal. Now there's a whole discussion in the Rishonim how this works at the Seder. Because one of the earlier steps at the Seder before we make the bracha on the bread is yachatz. So we break the bread. So if you have two matzahs in front of you and then you break one of them, so now you don't have two full loaves. So by the time you get to the step where you make the bracha on the bread, you only have one full loaf and then a broken loaf, so two halves. So there's a big issue at the Seder. How do you fulfill the obligation of Lechem Mishnah to have two full loaves at the Seder when you broke one of the full matzahs? So there's basically two major approaches about what to do. One tradition, which is the Rif, the Rambam also in Helchus Chametzu Matzah, Perek Ches Halacha Vav says this, Tosvos in Psachim on Kuf Tazayin Aleph and in Brachos Lamed Tesem Beis 
also quotes this from Rab Menachem of Vienna, as well as Rab Yom Tov. So there's a good number of Rishonim who hold that you only need two matzahs at the Seder, and even though you break one of them, so now you don't have two full matzahs, that's still sufficient to fulfill all the mitzvahs on the night of the Seder. Now, what to do about the fact that you don't have Lechem Mishnah, even though it's a Yantif meal? So the Rambam explains this very clearly, and Tosvos also implies this, that the idea the idea here is that Pesach is the exception to all Yantif meals, even though in general Shabbos and Yantif meals require two full loaves. But since matzah is called lechem oni, poor man's bread, so one of the aspects of poor man's bread is that he doesn't have a full loaf. So by breaking the matzah, we're really emphasizing that it's poor man's bread, and that's why the Seder is the one exception to Shabbos and Yantif meals where you don't need two full loaves for lechem. In fact, the proper way to do the mitzvah at the Seder is to have a broken loaf to emphasize the lechem oni, the poor man's bread aspect of it. So basically we have a clash between on the one hand matzah is lechem oni, it's poor man's bread, which is generally broken pieces. On the other hand, the halacha is to use two full loaves at every yuntif meal. So at the Seder, the theme of poor man's bread is more important than having the full loaves, so therefore we suspend having two full loaves. So that's the first approach. Now on the other hand, Rashi and the Rashbam and Pesach and Kupta Zayin and Aleph and the re-quoted in those tosvises, so they disagree with this and they suggest what many people do, which is to have three matzahs at the Seder. So that way, even though you broke one of the matzahs, but you still have two full matzahs in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Lechem Mishnah. And the standard approach for how to do this is that when we make the brachas on the matzah, we're actually doing two different mitzvahs. That's why that step at the Seder is really two steps. It's motzi as well as matzah. So the first thing we're doing is motzi. We're making the bracha on bread, which we have to do at every yuntif meal. And that requires two full loaves. And then the second thing we do is the specific mitzvah of matzah that at the Seder we have to eat the matzah bread. So that's when we apply lechem oni, that it's poor man's bread and it should be broken. So one of the standard ways to do this is that when you make the bracha of hamotzi, you hold all three matzahs. So there's two full loaves for the motzi. And then you drop the bottom matzah so that when you make the bracha on the matzah, you're only holding one and a half matzahs, which emphasizes the poor man's bread. So that's the other tradition in these Rishonim, how to do this. Again, either you have two matzahs at the Seder, and even though you don't make the bracha of hamotzi on two full matzahs, the Seder is the one exception to the rule that Shabbos and Yantif meals need two full loaves because matzah is poor man's bread. Or option number two is that you should have three matzahs. So even though the bracha on matzah itself should be made on the broken piece, but the bracha of hamotzi includes two and a half pieces so that there's two full pieces in order to fulfill this halacha that a yantif meal requires two full chalas. Now, interestingly, the tour in Simen and Hay quotes that there was a middle position that if the Seder is on a Friday night, then you'd need to use three matzahs because even though the Seder might not require lechem mishnah because of lechem oni, but since this is not only the Seder, it's also the Friday night meal, so it does require Lechem Mishnah. But if the Seder is during the weekday, so then you can use two matzahs because Lechem Oni means that you don't need Lechem Mishnah. 
So now from Tosos' position that you need three matzahs at the Seder, it's very clear that he holds that on a regular Yantif meal, you need Lechem Mishnah. The only question at the Seder is because it's unique that it's supposed to be poor man's bread. But a regular Yantif meal clearly needs two full loaves. And even from the Rambam who says that you don't need Lechem Mishnah at the Seder, but it's clear that the Seder is an exception, but regular Yantif meals would need Lechem Mishnah. So from all these approaches, it's clear that a regular Yantif meal does need Lechem Mishnah. And again, that's based on the idea that there was no man that fell on Yantif. On the other hand, there are Rishonim who hold that there's no need for Lechem Mishnah at all at any Yantif meal. So that would obviously resolve the whole Seder problem because even though you have two matzahs and you break one of them, that's fine because every Yantif meal doesn't require Lechem Mishnah. And that's the way Tosos actually seems to explain Reb Menachem of Vienna's view in Tosos and Pesach and Kuftas Zayin Amad Aleph because he quotes that there's another version of the Medrash which says that Shabbos was special that the Mun didn't fall. So the implication is that on Yantif, the man did fall. So if the man did fall on Yantif, then there's no need for two loaves at the Yantif meal. And based on that, says Tosos, that Rabbi Nacham of Vienna and Rabbi Yomtov did not use Lechem Mishnah at the Seder. Not because the Seder is an exception the way the Rambam said it, but the Seder is reflective of every Yantif meal where you don't need Lechem Mishnah because there was no concept of a double portion on Yantif. So that brings us to the second view of this halacha, which is that there is no need for Lechem Mishnah on Yantif. And the same view is expressed in Tosos on Beit Zedav and Beis. The Gemara there is discussing Eruv Tavshilin, which is the halacha that you're not allowed to prepare from Yantif to Shabbos. So if Friday is a Yantif day, theoretically you wouldn't be allowed to cook on Friday for Shabbos unless you do the Eruv Tavshilin beforehand. So the Gemara derives this from the Mun, that if Yantif fell out on a Friday, you couldn't prepare that day the food for Shabbos. So Tosvos points out that this implies that there was no Mun on Yantif, because if the Mun fell on Yantif, then it's the opposite. They were preparing the food for Shabbos on Friday. So the implication of the Gemara is that the Mun fell on Thursday for Yantif the next day, as well as for Shabbos. So Tosos asks, but what about the Medrash that he quoted in Psachim, that Shabbos is special, that no man fell on it, which implies very clearly that on Yantif the man did fall. So Tosos says that there's a debate between the Midrashim. One Medrash holds that the man fell on Yantif, and the other Medrash holds that the man did not fall on Yantif. And then he quotes the Medrash that Rashi on the Torah quoted, that the man did not fall on Yantif. So according to Tosos, the Gemara in Beitza is following the view that Rashi quoted on the Torah, that Mun did not fall on Yantif, but there is another view in the Midrashim that the Mun did fall on Yantif. But then Toso says another answer to this question. He says that in general, the Mun did fall on Yantif. So that was the standard procedure that on Yantif, the Mun would fall, except for when Yantif fell out on Friday. So then there was an exception and the Mun would not fall that day because they couldn't prepare that day for Shabbos. So if it was just a standalone Yantif on a Sunday through Thursday, then the Mun would fall that day. But when Yantif was on a Friday was the one exception that Mun would not fall. So again, Tosos and Beitza entertains a strong possibility that the Mun did fall on Yantif, which would mean that there's no Lechem Mishnah on Yantif. 
Now, there's an opinion in the Rishonim, which is even more drastic than this, which is that you don't even need to eat bread at a Yantif meal at all. So on Shabbos, it's clear that part of the meal has to include bread. But on Yantif, the Gemara in Sukkah of Zayin Amad Aleph says, Iboi achil, Iboi lo achil. That only on the first night of Sukkot, you have to eat bread in the Sukkah, but the rest of the meals, you could choose not to eat bread. So Tosos there understands that literally, that the Gemara is saying, that at a yuntif meal you do not need to eat bread. It has to be a nice meal with good foods, but it does not need to include bread with the two exceptions of the first night of Sukkot and the first night of Pesach. And outside of Israel, it would be the first two nights of Sukkot and the first two nights of Pesach. So at those meals, there has to be bread or matzah. But at other yuntif meals, you can eat other foods. You do not need to eat specifically bread. And that's how the Sefer Achinoch and Mitzvah Taf Lamed understands it. It, and the Rashba and Achuva also understands it that way. So there is a prominent school of Rishonim that holds that you don't need bread at the Yantif meal at all. And obviously it would follow that you don't need two full loaves either. Although you could suggest that even though you don't need bread, if you're using bread, then you should use two full loaves. But that seems a little far-fetched. It seems more likely that this group of Rishonim would hold that you do not need Lecha at the Yantif meal at all. On the other hand, Tosos and Brachos on Memtesem understands that line in the Gemara and Sukkah differently. And he says that you do need to eat bread at the Yantif meal. So what does the Gemara mean when it says you do not need to eat bread at the Sukkot meals except for the first night? So Tosos explains that just means you don't need to eat bread because of the mitzvah of Sukkah. The mitzvah of Sukkah does not require you to eat bread all week long, only the first night. But the mitzvah of Yantif does require bread at every Yantif meal. So now Tosos asks, what's the practical difference? What does it matter if the reason you have to eat bread is because of the mitzvah of sukkah versus the mitzvah of yantif? So Tosos explains that there is a big distinction between these two when it's raining. Because if it's raining, then there's no mitzvah to eat in the sukkah any longer. But obviously the mitzvah of yantif still applies even in the rain. So in a case when it's raining, it's going to depend why you're obligated to eat bread. If it's a sukkah obligation, so then you'd have to eat it even in the rain in the sukkah. But if it's a yuntif obligation, so then you could go indoors, have your meal and your bread inside, and you would fulfill the mitzvah of yuntif even though you're not in a sukkah. So according to this approach in Tosfos, on the first night of sukkah, the obligation to eat bread comes from the mitzvah of sukkah. So even if it's raining, you still have to eat in your sukkah the first night. But the rest of the yuntif meals of sukkah, the obligation to eat bread comes from the mitzvah of yantif. So if it's raining, the person could eat indoors. But according to Tosos, they certainly have to eat bread. So we have a debate between Tosos and Brachos, who holds that you need bread for a yantif meal, versus Tosos and Sukkah, who holds that you do not need bread for a yantif meal. And Tosos and Sukkah is also going to disagree with the idea that you need to eat in your Sukkah on the first night if it's raining. Because according to Tosos and Sukkah, the Gemara says that you have to eat bread on the first night of Sukkot. It doesn't mean in the rain, it means at all. Because the rest of the Sukkot yantif meals, you don't need bread. So the first night is different that you need bread at all. 
fall, but the Gemara is not saying that you need to eat it in the rain. The same rule applies that if it's raining, you don't need to eat in the sukkah, whether it's the first night or whether it's any other meal. So this debate, whether you need to eat bread during the yantif meals, is also going to spill into the issue of whether you have to eat in the sukkah on the first night of sukkah. And that's why when the Ramah in Simen Tafresh Lamed Tes quotes the halacha of Tosos in Brachos, that on the first night, if it's raining, you still need to eat in the sukkah, the Mishnah Brura points out that the Tosos in sukkah is going to disagree because he holds that if it's raining, you can't eat in the sukkah even though you are required to eat in the sukkah. So the Mishabura suggests that maybe you need to wait until it stops raining. So that becomes a whole discussion whether to wait or not. But either way, Tosos and Brachos and Tosos and Sukkah have two very different ways of reading this whole issue in Halacha. According to Tosos and Brachos, you are obligated to eat bread at every Yantif meal, whereas according to Tosos and Sukkah, you are not, with the exception of the Seder and the first night of Sukkot. Now, this is going to make a practical difference difference about whether you repeat benching if you forget yala v'yavo, because the general rule is any meal that you're obligated to eat bread, so if you forget to add in ritzay, let's say on Shabbos or yala v'yavo, then you'd have to repeat benching. But if you're not obligated to eat bread like on Rosh Chodesh, so then if you forget yala v'yavo, you do not need to repeat benching. So according to Tosos and Brachos that you must eat bread, if you forget Yalav Yavo on Yantif, then you have to repeat it. According to Tosos and Sukkah, you do not need to repeat benching on Yantif because you don't need to wash to begin with. So this is a very important debate. And for our discussion, it seems clear that according to Tosos and Sukkah, there is no obligation of Lechem Mishnah on Yantif. Whereas according to Tosos and Brachos, so you do need bread at the Yantif meal. And many Rishonim say that it's not enough to have one loaf, but you need to have two loaves. So as we explained earlier, the debate whether you need two loaves on Yantif centers on whether the mun fell on Yantif or not. And according to Tosvos, there's a debate within the Midrashim about whether the mun fell on Yom Tov. So what is this debate about? What are the two sides, whether the mun fell on Yantif or not? So we'll suggest two possibilities. One is that there's a debate amongst the commentators why the mun didn't fall on Shabbos. What prohibition was involved? in them collecting the man on Shabbos. So we'll go through three possibilities. The conventional understanding is that the issue was hotza'ah, the carrying. By going outside of their homes and carrying the man into the home, so they're going from the public area to the private, so that's a prohibition of carrying on Shabbos. Now, one of the differences between Shabbos and Yom Tov is that on Yom Tov you are allowed to carry. So that would be a reason why the man could have fallen on Yom Tov, because they would be able to carry it inside. The Sfarno suggests that the issue with the man falling on Shabbos was kotzer. That on some level it was like they were cutting something which was connected to the ground, which is prohibited on Shabbos. Now the prohibition of cutting things from the ground is prohibited both on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So that would be a reason to say that the man did not fall on Yom Tov. And finally, the third option is Reb Meir Simcha in his commentary, the Meshachachma suggests the problem with the man on Shabbos was ma'amer, gathering, creating a So by gathering the man, they were violating ma'amer. So that would also apply to Yom Tov. This might be the explanation for why there's a debate whether the man fell on Yom Tov. It centers on what the problem on Shabbos was. If the issue was carrying, so then on Yom Tov that's allowed, so the 
mun would have fallen on Yom Tov. But if the problem was gathering or cutting, so that's prohibited also on Yom Tov, so then the mun would not have fallen on Yom Tov. There is another way to explain this debate, whether the mun fell on Yom Tov, based on a debate between the Rishonim and Beitzah. The general rule on Yom Tov is that anything that's needed to prepare food is permitted. But the Gemara makes it clear that many activities are still prohibited, like capturing animals. So the Rishonim have a very big debate how we categorize what's permitted to do on Yantif versus what's not. But part of that debate includes the issue of whether the prohibitions of Yom Tov, so any activity which is still prohibited, even though it involves preparing food, is that a prohibition of Torah law or is that rabbinic? So that might be the debate about whether the man fell on Yantif. Because if those prohibitions are Mido Raisa, they're from Torah law, so then even in the times of the desert they would have applied and the man would not have fallen. But if those prohibitions are only rabbinic, so then they came later in Jewish history, so during the times of the desert, the Jews could have collected their man on Yom Tov. So those are two halachic explanations for this debate about whether the man fell on Yom Tov. And practically for us, this would translate into the question of whether we need to commemorate the double portion of Yom Tov with two chalas at our Yantif meals. So on a practical level, the Shulchan Aruch and Simen Tav Kuf Chav Tes rules that you do need bread at the Yantif meal and you do need Lechem Mishnah, two full loaves at the Yantif meal. So that's the practical ruling in line with the Tosos and Brachos and the Tosos and Psachim and the Rambam and the Rif and that whole school of thought that you do need Lechem Mishnah at the Yantif meal based on the idea that the Mun did not not fall on Yantif. So now we're going to move on to the question of Rabbi Yechezkel Landau on this. Using this framework, Rabbi Yechezkel Siegel Landau of Vilna had a very nice question, which is quoted by the Binyan Shlomo. But a little historical clarification is in order because Rabbi Yechezkel Landau, the most famous one, was the author of Nenoda Yehuda, and he was the Rav of Prague. We are quoting a different Rabbi Yechezkel Siegel Landau, same name, but this one was the Rav of Vilna. He was the brother-in-law of Rabbi Abale Pasvel who was the Rav of Vilna before him. And then when he died, so Rabbi Cheskel Landau took over. He grew up in Vilna and his family was very close to the Vilna Gaon. And he was one of the early Talmidim of the Vilna Gaon's most prominent Talmud, Rabbi Chaim of Valazhin. But he studied under Rabbi Chaim Valazhiner before he formally opened the Valazhin Yeshiva. And then later on, he served as the head Rav of Vilna for 33 years from the years 1836 till 1869. Now, he did not write Sfarim, and we do not have his Torah ideas in writing, but he was very close with the father of Rabbi Salah HaKohen and Rabbi Shlomo HaKohen, who would be two of the prominent Dayanim in Vilna in the next generation. So they do quote his Torah ideas in their Sfarim. And in the Chuvas Binyan Shlomo from Rabbi Shlomo HaKohen, in Simen Yud Tes, he quotes a question from Rabbi Cheskel Landau of Vilna that he heard from his brother, Rabbi Salal HaKohen, which is that according to the view in the Rishonim that the man did not fall on Yom Tov, so then that means that when Yantif in the desert was on a Friday or a Sunday, then three portions must have fallen the day before. Because since they weren't going to be able to have man for two days, so the day before Shabbos and Yantif, they must have gotten three portions for all three days. So if so, he wanted to know when Yantif falls out on a Friday or a Sunday, why don't we use three loaves? 
Two is not enough to remember the miracle because they didn't get a double portion that day. They got a triple portion. So we should be using three loaves at those meals. So we're going to look at three answers and hopefully each of these approaches will clarify something fundamental about this halacha. In the new Binyan Shlomos, they quote in a footnote a comment from Rabbi Rucham Perlo and he answered based on a discussion that Tosvos has in a sefer called the Hadar Zekenim, which is a collection of various comments of Tosvos on the Parsha. So in Parsha's Bishalach, where it deals with the Mun, Tosvos quotes a debate whether you need to have two loaves at Shalashudis, meaning is Shalashudis also a meal where we remember the double portion of Mun. And the way Tosvos explains this debate is that the first approach holds that on Friday they got a double portion, meaning every day they would get two meals worth of Mun, but on Friday they would get four meals worth, and then they would eat one Friday morning, one Friday night, one Shabbos morning, and then one Shabbos afternoon. So that means when they came to the Friday night meal, they had three meals left. On Shabbos morning, they had two meals left. And then at Shalashudis, they ate their final meal. So there was no double portion left by the time they came to Shalashudis. So that's why the first approach of Tosvo says that at the Friday night meal and Shabbos morning meal, we have to have two challahs in order to remember the double portion of Mun. But by the time Shalashudis rolls around, when even in the desert, there was no double portion left, there was only one portion, so too nowadays at Shalashudis, we only have to use one loaf. And that's the approach that the Das Zekenim, which also quotes Tosos material on the Chumash, so he quotes that the Maram May Rottenberg held that way, and therefore he did not use Lechem Mishnah at Shalashudis, he only used one loaf. Now obviously the question would be, if so, we should use three loaves every Friday night, because if we're remembering the double portion, so on Friday night they had three portions left, so why don't we use three Chalas on Friday night? So in fact, there are some Hasidic groups that use three Chalas on Friday night because of this. But the standard approach is that we're trying to remember the double portion aspect, not that they had three meals left at the Friday night meal. But this is all the first perspective of Tosfos. But then he quotes that Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu David did use Alecha Mishnah at Shalashudis. So Rabbeinu Tam was of the opinion that you should use two loaves at Shalashudis also. And the explanation for this, says Tosfos, is based on the Riva. He held that the whole situation worked differently. They would get a double portion on Friday, and then they would cook one quarter of it for Friday morning breakfast. So that was one half of their allotted Friday meals, and one portion would come out. Now, then they had one and a half portions left, and they would cook that, but miraculously, it would double, so they would end up with six portions, and then they would eat two at each meal. So Friday night, they would eat two, Shabbos morning, they would eat two, and at Shalashudis, they would eat two. So the math, according to the second approach, is more than the first approach. They didn't end up with four meals total on Friday. They ended up with seven meals, one for Friday morning, and then two for each of the meals of Shabbos, and they got a double portion for each meal of Shabbos in order to show that on Shabbos we have an Ashama Yaseira, we have extra ability to enjoy and to eat. So they fulfilled that in the desert by eating two portions at each meal of Shabbos. So according to this approach, what we're remembering is not the double portion which fell on Friday, but the double portion which they ate at each of the Shabbos meals. Because on Friday, they didn't really get a double portion. They went from a normal four meals in two days to seven meals. So what fell on Friday was much more than double. It was almost quadruple. 
So the double portion that we're remembering is that each meal of Shabbos had a double portion. So that makes perfect sense why Friday night, Shabbos morning, and Shalashudis, each of the three meals, we use two loaves in order to remember that double portion. So Rabbi Rucham Perlo points out that according to this approach of Tosvos, there's no question at all, like Rabbi Chesko Landau asked, why don't we use three portions when Shabbos and Yantif are together? Because we're not remembering what fell the day before Shabbos and Yantif. That was whatever number it was. What we're remembering is that they got a double portion for each Shabbos and Yantif meal. So even if Shabbos and Yantif are combined, we still use two portions per meal. Now there is a related question to all this, which is worth discussing now, which is why is there no Shalashudis on Yantif? Because if we're saying that we're supposed to remember the double portion on Yantif, and Shalashudis is part of that whole process of remembering the Mun, so why don't we have Shalashudis on Yantif also to remember that the Mun didn't fall on Erev Yantif? So now it's interesting to note that the tour in Simen Tav Kuf Chav Tes interprets the Rambam that he holds there is Shalashudis on Yantif. So according to the tour, it's not so simple that there's no Shalashudis on Yantif. He quotes that his father, the Rush, disagreed, and he held that there is no Shalashudis on Yantif, which is the common practice. And the Beis Yosef points out that the tour's interpretation of the Rambam is questionable. So it's not even clear within the Rambam, but there is a position, the tour's interpretation of the Rambam, that holds that there should be Shalashudis on Yantif, and that would be consistent with the Rambam, who, as we saw, holds that the Mun did not fall on Yantif. But the question would be, according to the mainstream view, that there is no Shalashudas on Yantif, why? So the Moshe of Zikanim, which is another collection of Tosos material on the Chumash, so again in Parshas Bishalach on the section of the Man, he asks this question and he quotes two answers. He quotes that the Aruch said that when the Torah describes remembering the double portion of Man, it uses the phrase Shabbason Shabbos Kodesh Lashem. So it uses a double phrase of Shabbos, it's repetitive. So that repetition is intended to include also Yantif. So that's why we include Yantif for the commemoration of the doubled portion of Man. So that's why we have two Chalas on Yantif. But when the Torah later describes the three meals of the Man, so then it does not include Yantif and it already broke up between those two sections. So it's only referring to Shabbos. So the way the Aruch presents this, it's that the Torah includes Yantif in the context of the double portion of Man, so the two Chalas, but it does not include Yantif in the context of the three meals, so that's why there's no third meal on Yantif. Then he quotes a second answer from Rabbeinu Tam. There's a debate in the Gemara how to celebrate Yantif. One view is Chetzio Lachem, Chetzio Lashem, that you divide the day. Half is for enjoyment, half is for spiritual things. And the other view is that it's either or, either entirely spiritual or entirely physical. Now, we hold that it should be divided. Says Rabbeinu Tam, if we were to have a third meal on Shabbos, then that would already mean that the whole day is spent eating. So that's not considered dividing the day. In order to divide the Yantif day, you spend the morning eating, and then in the afternoon, you spend it on spiritual things. So that's why there is no Shalashudis on Yantif. In order to allow us to properly divide the day, half for Hashem and half for ourselves. So the afternoon is spent focusing on spiritual matters. Now, one could ask that even if you have a Shalashudis, it might take 20 minutes. It doesn't necessarily ruin the division of the day. And even if you eat lunch and Shalashudis, you could still spend half the day on spiritual things. But either way, that's Rabbeinu Tam's approach. 
So what emerges is that Rabbeinu Tam was a very strong believer that the mitzvah of Shalashudis is connected with remembering the man. That's why you have to have two loaves, whereas other Rishonim hold that even though you need bread at Shalashudis, you can get away with one loaf. And there's even a view that you don't need to eat bread at Shalashudis at all. You can get away with eating other things. But Rabbeinu Tam believed that you need two loaves of bread in order to remember the man. And theoretically, you would also eat Shalashudis on Yantif to also remember that there was no man on Yantif, except that we need to divide the day and half of it needs to be spiritual so we can't have that many meals. That's Rabbeinu Tam's view of this whole issue. Now it's also interesting to go back to the Rambam for a moment as we saw the tour holds in the Rambam that you should have Shalashudis on Yantif. And the tour has another interesting view in the Rambam. In Simon Reish Tzadi Aleph Sif Dalid, he holds that according to the Rambam, you should make Kiddush at Shalashudis. And again, he says that his father, the Rush, disagreed, which is our common practice not to make Kiddush at Shalashudis. But according to the Tours reading of the Rambam, there's no difference between the three meals of Shabbos and all of them should begin with Kiddush. So it's just interesting to note how extreme the Tours reading of the Rambam is that Shalashudis is exactly the same as the other two meals, that it begins with Kiddush and you should eat it on Yantif too. Now, the second answer to this question comes from the Binyan Shlomo, and he actually has two approaches. The first one is very brilliant, and he tries to recreate the whole calendar and how this whole story happened. So there's a lot of very brilliant points and insights that he comes up with in the course of his discussion, but it's too convoluted, and it's also not the kind of material that we focus on in these recordings. So I'm not going to go through the details of what he says, but I am going to just take out one kernel of what he says and kind of adapt it for our needs. So this is an answer based on the Binyan Shlomo, but it's not exactly what the Binyan Shlomo says. It's the kernel of his insight. He suggests that there were two reasons why the Mun couldn't fall down on Shabbos. It had to fall down on Friday. One was because of the Isser Hotsa. It's prohibited to carry the man inside. So it had to fall down before Shabbos so people could bring it indoors. And the second is Hachana that the Shabbos meals had to be prepared before Shabbos. There's a Halacha that one has to have all their Shabbos meals prepared from Friday. So those were the two reasons why the man fell on Friday. Now both of those reasons are needed in order to obligate them in all three meals. Because if the only issue was Hachana that the Shabbos meals had to be prepared on Friday, so then you could have eaten Shalashudis after Shabbos was over. They could have just waited instead of eating at five o'clock in the afternoon, you wait till 8 p.m. after Shabbos is over and eat the second Saturday meal then. So you're eating it after Shabbos is over and you don't need to prepare it from beforehand. But the issue with that was going to be Hotsa'a because since the man fell in the morning, there was no way for them to get the dinner man for Saturday on Saturday itself. So all four meals from Friday and Shabbos had to be delivered on Friday morning and then they ate them all on Shabbos. So that's exactly how Shalashudis ended up part of the Shabbos meals in order to reflect the fact that they had to eat the four meals that were delivered on Friday morning by the time Shabbos was over. So that meant three of the meals were eaten on Shabbos. Now, when it comes to Yantif, says the Binyan Shlomo, there's no prohibition of carrying on Yantif. So there was only one reason why the Yantif meals had to be delivered on Erev Yantif, which was Hachana, that you have to prepare the Yantif meals before Yantif. 
but there was no problem carrying the meals in on Yantif itself. So now, says the Binyan Shlomo, something incredibly creative, that on Yantif, they didn't need four portions on Erev Yantif. They only needed three portions, one for the Erev Yantif breakfast, one for the Yantif dinner, and one for Yantif morning. But the meal on Yantif evening, they could wait until after Yantif to eat, and that meal could be delivered on Yantif morning. So according to the Binyan Shlomo, even the view that says that they got a double portion on Yantif, it doesn't really mean a double portion, it means a one and a half portion. Unlike Shabbos, where they got all four portions on Friday morning, on Erev Yantif morning, they got three portions, and then the next morning on Yantif itself, they got one portion, which they then waited until nighttime to eat, so it was after Yantif, so they didn't have the problem of Hachana, even though they hadn't prepared that meal before Yantif, they didn't eat it on Yantif, they ate it after Yantif, and there was also no problem of carrying the mun in the morning of Yantif, because you're allowed to carry on Yantif. This is a very very creative, brilliant suggestion from the Binyan Shlomo, and this is now going to resolve a bunch of things. It's going to explain why there's no Shalashudis on Yantif, because again, on Shabbos they got four portions, so Shalashudis was one of those meals, but on Yantif they only got three portions, so only Yantif night and Yantif morning were part of those meals, but Yantif afternoon's meal, they waited until after Yantif to eat, so that's why there's no Shalashudis on Yantif. It's also going to very brilliant brilliantly explained the Rambam and the Rif who hold that you don't have Lechem Mishnah at the Seder, you only have one and a half matzahs, because that's actually all you need to remember the Mun of Yantif. It was not a double portion, it was a one and a half portion, which is perfectly reflected by the one and a half matzahs. Now, even though normally we don't allow a half a challah or a half a matzah on the table, because we want it to be respectful, so we have to have a full challah, but the Seder is an exception because of poor man's bread, so we do allow half a matzah. But the one and a half matzah is a perfect reflection of the general Yantif Lecha Mishnah because it was not a double portion like Shabbos. It was a one and a half portion. So this is a very clever explanation of the Rambam's approach to the matzahs at the Seder. And now coming back to our original question, why we don't use more chalas when yantifs on a Friday or a Sunday. So the Binyan Shlomo says that the whole point of using the double chalas is in order to remind us of these halachas of not carrying on Shabbos and preparing the meals of Shabbos and yantif before they start. But once we're anyways using double chalas, so we already know those two halachas, we don't need to use more chalas in order to reflect exactly what happened historically. So even though it's true that if Yuntif fell out on a Friday or a Sunday in the desert, they would have gotten more portions the day before, but we don't necessarily need to reflect exactly what happened historically. The main point is to reflect the halachas that were learned, and there's no additional halacha that's learned from using more chalas on Yuntif and Shabbos that are combined. So that's the Binyan Shlomo's approach to this question. The third answer to this question comes from the Meshachachma in his commentary in Parshas Bishalach. There's a story in the Torah where some people leave over the mun, and it gets destroyed the next day, and Moshe is very upset with them. So the Meshachachma points out that there was actually two sides to this violation of the rule not to leave over the mun. On the one hand, it minimized the test of the Jewish people,
people because originally they were supposed to have total faith in God, that they only took mun for one day and they didn't even try to worry about what they were going to eat the next day. So now that they knew the secret that the mun gets totally spoiled the next day, there was less of a test to not take enough to last for two days. On the other hand, there was a benefit to this because now they saw what a great miracle it was that the mun from Friday lasted straight through Shabbos because they understood that in general, the mun got totally spoiled the next morning. So the fact that this mun lasted two days was an even greater miracle. So now that they knew the secret that the mun spoils the next day, it was a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it minimized their test of total reliance on Hashem that he will provide each day. On the other hand, it emphasized their understanding of what a great miracle it was that the Friday mun lasted through Shabbos. So now the Meshachachma suggests something creative, which is when we have two challahs on Shabbos, it's not to remember the double portion which fell on Friday morning, but it's to remember a little bit of a different miracle. The fact that it didn't spoil on Shabbos morning. Because the normal process of man was that the next morning it spoiled. So the fact that the Friday man lasted two days was itself a miracle, and that's what we remember with the double loaves. So the Meshachachma is shifting slightly what we're remembering with these two loaves. Conventional view is that we're remembering that two portions fell on Friday morning, but he's saying that it has to do with the fact that they didn't spoil on Shabbos morning. So now, based on that, says the Lecha Mishnah, that answers the Binyan Shlomo's question, because when Shabbos and Yuntif were combined, there was no additional miracle in the man lasting from the second day into the third day. Meaning once mun didn't spoil, so then already this mun was exceptional. It wasn't part of the normal mun which spoiled. So it didn't matter if it lasted at that point two or three days. So there's no additional miracle in the mun lasting through a Shabbos and Yuntif combined, even though there was more mun that fell and it did last for three days instead of two, but that lasting was all the same miracle. So we commemorate it with two loaves of challah. So that's the Meshachachma's approach to answering this question based on how he slightly shifts what we're remembering by using the two chalas. Now, just to add one interesting point to the Meshachachma's approach, what happened to the man that fell on Friday for Shabbos if they didn't eat it on Shabbos. So in general, there was a prohibition to leave over any mun that wasn't eaten that day. But what about the Shabbos mun? Since it was anyways allowed to be left overnight, could it then just be left over as long as someone wanted? So there's some debate about this. The Sfarno writes explicitly that they were not allowed to leave that mun over till Sunday. So even though they were allowed to leave it over one night, they were not allowed to keep leaving it over. And the Taz also in his commentary, Divrei David writes that whatever was left over after Shabbos would get spoiled. On the other hand, some of the later Sfarim see this differently, that once you were allowed to leave the Shabbos man overnight, so then you could leave it as long as you wanted. The mayor Ene Chachamim from the Ostrovitzer Rebbe, who was a great genius, in Simon Samach Vav, and the Amvua de Sifri, which is an important, relatively recent commentary on the Sifri in Parshas Baaloscha. So they both say that once the man was allowed to be left over one night, it could be left over indefinitely. And the Pardis Yosef, in Parshas B'Shalach quotes that the Sfas Emes wondered about this and he himself suggests that that was the case. 
And this approach will answer a very big question because the Gemara in Kiddushin Lamed Chesam and Aleph says that Moshe died on the 7th of Adar and that was when the month stopped falling. But the Jews continued eating it for another 40 days until the 16th of Nisan. So that was the last official day that they ate the month. So the question is, how could the Jews have continued eating the man if they were not allowed to leave it overnight? So the Pardes Yosef says, if the Shabbos man was an exception to that rule and they were allowed to leave it as long as they wanted, then that will answer the question because Moshe died on a Shabbos. So that last batch of man that fell was Shabbos man. So therefore they were allowed to leave it over as long as they wanted. In addition, he quotes another answer, and the Briskarov also has this answer, that once the mun was done falling, then there was no more prohibition to leave it over. Because the whole point of destroying the mun each day was to totally rely on Hashem. But once the mun was done falling, so then there was no further prohibition in keeping the mun. So that's why after that last batch of mun, they were able to keep it as long as they wanted to eat it. And the Briskarov has a third answer, that that was a special exception that Hashem told them to leave over that man, like he told them to put man away for all the generations, so too he told them to leave over that man and to eat it for the next 40 days. So that's why it was different than the normal halacha.